of offending people who don't believe in Jesus. Oh, what do I think? Who cares? Let's tell them the truth. Don't give me, they're just living their truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, if it doesn't come from this book, it's not true. Tonight we discuss why white lives matter and how to understand this current cultural moment. Could it be that this is just a test? This is a test. And it's only a test. Is it a test of the emergency rapture organization? I don't know. But God wants you to be ready to pass the ultimate tests of your life. This is your favorite of the week. Welcome to the deep end on Tim Hatch Live. All right, so welcome on in, 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday nights. My name is Tim. I'm the host of this show. Make sure that you're hitting that like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell to get notified on your smartphone every time we go live. We have to understand what's going on in our world. There is a lot of crazy, and I don't want you worried about it. That's why I do this show. I don't want to alarm you, but I do want to inform you so that you're not alarmed at what is happening around you. Okay, so it is season six, episode nine of The Deep End, and that brings me to Deep End News. Deep, 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 deep End News. The news you choose if you could choose news. So let's start with something seriously heavy. This is heavy, heavy news from the great state of California. And I say this with all sincerity in my heart, heavy, heavy news. From cbsnews.com, a man has grown a 2,500-pound pumpkin and won an award for raising the largest gourd ever in human history. This is heavy. <laughs> so a teacher, a horticulture teacher from Minnesota, set a new U.S. world record for the heaviest pumpkin ever made. And his name is Travis Gegner, and he's from Anaka, Minnesota, Anoka, Minnesota, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing. He traveled with his gargantuan gourd 35 hours to San Francisco, and he attended the 49th World Championship Pumpkin Weigh-In Competition at Half Moon Bay. Nice to see somebody doing something with their hands, amen? And it brings me to one little cultural comment here, cultural commentary here. I think the future of education is the trades. This is a horticulture teacher, so obviously he's probably a teacher at a trade school where they learn how to do things with their hands. And I think that's one of the best things that you can do for your kids right now is don't send them to college. Don't send them to liberal arts college or university where they're going to learn that men are boys and boys are, I mean, men are women and women are men and they're basically the same thing. And then uh, maybe your precious daughter is going to be outrun by a male sprinter in her track meet and all these kind of crazy things happen. Send them to a trade school so they know how to plumb or do electrical work or raise gargantuan pumpkins. I mean, seriously, it's beautiful to see this guy is following in the footsteps of his great ancestor, Adam, who, if we remember correctly, before God gave him a spouse, before God gave him the word, he gave him a job. And he said, you need to cultivate. You need to work this land. You need to make sure that you are creating. And we are made to do this. And I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, symptoms of uh, the depression generation, the isolation, loneliness generation is we don't do things. We don't produce, we don't create. Sure, we create uh, very carefully curated images on our Instagram. Uh, we create content on uh, you know the, the internet, or maybe we are creating content in terms of just social capital, such as uh, educational degree, higher advanced degree, whatever. What are you doing with these? The hands that God gave you and hats off to Travis out in Anoka, Minnesota. You're doing something in your hand and just look at the pure joy on his face. 
Amen. That's good. I just think that's really good. So that's just the heaviest news I've heard in a long time. Now let's get into even heavier news. And I want to do a segment, bring it back. We're here. So what do I mean by and we're here? It means like, oh my gosh, this is where we have finally come to. And by that, I mean white lives matter. So this week, Kanye West and Candace Owens, uh, two political polls, uh, they're lightning rods, sorry, for political conversation, made headlines by wearing t-shirts that said white lives matter. So the question comes down to this. Why did they do it? And the answer is one word, attention. And they have it, don't they? Here I am talking about it. We live in a world where you have to say something totally outrageous, totally counter to the prevailing narrative to gain attention for yourself. And this is not healthy. This is not healthy for our culture. We live in the follow me, like me, subscribe to me, you know, know, like the YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff, culture. And that's where we are right now, where you have to say things that gain a conversation. Please understand this. I'm not demonizing them. I'm not against them. And white lives certainly matter just as much as black lives and brown lives and yellow lives and red lives. I grew up the old school way, red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in the sight. But anyway, the, sometimes we have to discern this about our cultural moment. Some people are just trying to get attention. There are serious things. And then there are people that are just trying to get attention. And, and Tucker Carlson accommodated him right away, bringing him onto the show for like a 30 minute interview. And he talked about his upbringing and talked about why he wore the Trump hat and why he's so mad that he can't like Trump and he doesn't want the mob to control him. And I will remind you, however, that he did back down from liking Trump publicly and he did run for president against Donald Trump. So right now, let's just take it with a grain of salt that Kanye's being Kanye. And Kanye is a phenomenal marketeer. He's a phenomenal uh, artist. He's a phenomenal songwriter, lyric writer, amazingly talented man. And kudos to him. He's gaining attention just like he wanted to. And it can happen in the church as well. Be aware that a lot of pastors find the temptation to say something outrageous so that they get attention from the subculture of Christianity, evangelical Christianity in particular. Christians have to, uh, pastors have to gain a following. And sometimes they feel like the best way to gain a following is by saying something outrageous. And this is where you get guys on television, such as Michael Todd, who spit literally a loogie into his hand and then wiped it on his, I think it was his brother-in-law's eyes to simulate his uh, teaching of Jesus's miracle of spitting in the sand, making mud and putting it on the man's eyes and healing him of blindness. Um, Outrageous statements, outrageous. Beware of the outrage attractor. Beware of the guy with the hook, the lure in the water, trying to gain your attention based on what he can do this outrageous. I, I, I bring you a smaller example of this from the world of Twitter. And we all know that Twitter is not real world, but there's a, a woman on Twitter. Her name, her Twitter name is the pensive tulip. And I, let me put this up here, Pensa Tulip, she, she, she tweeted this out. The scandal of the cross allows for Jeffrey Dahmer to get to heaven and Mother Teresa not to. And by the way, just so you understand her name, Pensive Tulip means she's a diehard Calvinist, Calvinist theology, five points of Calvinist theology, total depravity, that's the T, unconditional election, that's the U, limited atonement, that's the L, irresistible grace, that's the I, and, and then perseverance of the saints, that's the P. So anyway, this woman, I've, I've seen some of her tweets before, and she is a former Arminian, meaning that you have to work with God to continue to maintain your salvation. She has gone hard to the other side, reformed theology, Calvinist theology, anyway, and she puts out this tweet. Again, the tweet, the scandal of the gospel allows, or the scandal of the cross allows for Jeffrey Dahmer to go to heaven and Mother Teresa not to. This is a ridiculous tweet. This is not how you're supposed to (laughs) share our faith in the public square. And I, again, 
Why does this person do it? I'm guessing because everybody is playing the game of pay attention to me. Think that I have said something really, really edgy, cool, like you've never heard this before. White lives matter. <laughs> you know? I mean, we've got to be aware of this because truth does matter. And how we say it does matter. So she's getting like 200 uh, replies, 67 retweets, 100 quote tweets, 1,000 likes. Mission accomplished, just like Kanye. And I, I just think it's important to say it. There's a way to tell the truth and there's a way not to. We are Christians. We are called to season our speech with salt. You don't go and pour a bunch of salt onto your recipe thinking it's going to make it better. Oh, a little salt makes it good. A lot of salt's going to make it better and get a lot of people's attention. Yeah, the wrong kind of attention, as in you stink as a cook, right? Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time, and let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may not know how, so that you may know how to answer each person. Back to her tweet. Yeah. Technically, if Mother Teresa is basing her acceptance before God on her works, she's not getting to heaven. I Yes, this is technically biblically true. And Jeffrey Dahmer, if he repented of his sins after eating his neighbors, technically, yeah. But do we have any evidence of either or? Like, do we have to go for the jugular all the time with this kind of stuff as Christians? Let's speak the truth in love. Let's remember that even our Savior Jesus said seemingly contradictory things at different times because he considered the context to which he was speaking. Please understand that you've got to have a gift for understanding context and how to treat people. People are not automatons. They are not robots. Okay. And sometimes we put things out there on the internet. We hurt a lot of people. We distress a lot of people with some of the things that we say because we want attention for ourselves. And that's not love. That's not loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Let me give you an example of Jesus saying seemingly the opposite things. And they're both recorded in the gospels and they're both right out there in black and white or red and white for you to read it. And it looks like Jesus is contradicting himself. I give you Matthew 12, 30. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And then look at Mark 9, 40. This is Jesus talking. For the one who is not against us is for us. So it's like, okay, which is it, Jesus? Is it whoever is not with you is, it, is against you? Or is, or is it whoever is not against you is with you or for you? Well, the answer is context. Context matters. The first passage, Mark Matthew 12, was in the context of Pharisees claiming that Jesus cast out demons by the power of Beelzebub. And to them, he says, listen, that is a hideous statement to make. That's not true. They were playing the extreme statement game and Jesus shut them down. And in Mark chapter nine, he was referring to the fact that the disciples wanted to stop someone from casting out demons in his name because they weren't one of the 12. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. Don't stop people from doing good just because they're not in our group. So in a world of getting attention now, we need to have discernment. And that's why I do this show. I want you to learn and discern because there's too many people out there making too many statements. The world, everybody's yammering and we've got to have truth. We've got to have truth, which brings me to Cam Newton. I never thought I would bring this guy up on the deep end, but Cam Newton made headlines, I think a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago now, a former NFL quarterback who drew criticism from pastors and other, other football players when he made statements regarding the Bible's condoning polygamy. He said, I believe that in our religion, and I guess he's saying he's a Christian here, it has got lost in translation. He said, um, 
people say, oh, that's the Old Testament, as in polygamy. This is the New Testament and things, and things like that. There are some high-value men in the Bible that had a lot of favor from God by having multiple wives and multiple concubines. So you can't sit up here and say you want a man of God and not acknowledge the fact that, oh, in this society, it's socially acceptable. But in the Bible, when you talk about David, when you talk about Solomon, the wisest pe- person in all the earth, he had the most wives anybody has ever had in concubines. And so basically, <laughs> he's making the age-old argument that so many agnostics make and atheists make and you know critics of the Bible make, which is... The Bible condones polygamy. The Bible condones the multiple marriages. So who are we to say who can and cannot get married? And this was an argument that was used to produce gay marriage in this country. Look at David. Look at Jacob. He had two wives. And you're going to tell me that two loving men can't get married? Again, this is not how you read the Bible. This is not how you read the Bible. And these are the conclusions that you get when you actually don't study the Bible and you don't know how to read. And let me just say this again. And you don't know how to read the Bible. Do you understand that there is a way to read the Bible? And there, I, I bring you to the question that Jesus asked the religious scholar in his day. He asked him, what is in the law? How do you read it? He was examining not just what he knew was in the Bible, but how do you read it? There is a way to read the Bible. There's a way not to read the Bible. And when Jesus was on this earth, and he was asked about divorce and remarriage. He said, it's sin. It's sin every time. It's one man, one woman. And he goes, not to the law. He goes, because they go, oh, well, what about that, that little law in Deuteronomy 21 where, where Moses gave, gave them a law to say, just write a certificate of divorce and you'll be free of your first wife and you can marry another. No, that was a law that was given, Jesus says, for the hardness of their hearts. How they did it back in those days was that the men were disobeying God by divorcing their wives, but they weren't actually giving them permission to remarry and be cared for by another man. So they would just leave this woman poor and stricken of rights. So Moses comes up with the law. So look, if you're going to disobey God, at least give this woman a certificate that allows her to acknowledge that you have abandoned her so that she can go and find another husband and he can take care of her. Okay, because that's how it was in the ancient world. There was men were dominating women, the result of the curse. If you read the curse in Genesis chapter three, men dominated women as a result of the curse and women struggled for control as a result of the curse. And we've been fighting it out ever since, right? But when Jesus answers the question on divorce, he doesn't go back to Deuteronomy 21. He goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. God made them male and female, Genesis 1, and then, he, and then he put them together. That's Genesis 2. And he said, don't let anyone put them apart. Now, does divorce happen? Do Christians get divorced? Yes, Christians sin. Christians make mistakes. Some people, to no fault of their own, have someone abandon them, leave them, uh, commit adultery on them. And there is an exception for, uh, for divorce in the case of adultery, I think also in the case of abandonment and in the case of abuse. But when we see polygamy in the Bible, okay, again, outrageous statements here. (laughs) We have to understand what the Bible is. How do we read that? How do we read that Jacob had two wives and two concubines with whom he had 12 kids? How do we read the fact that David had multiple wives? And then Solomon just said, oh, yeah, hold my beer. And he had 700 wives. Okay, because what you have to see is when that happened in the Bible and men had many wives, it did not go well for them. There was constant hostility amongst the children. Take, for example, Joseph's life because he's hated by the 11 older, 10 older brothers. Look at Solomon's life. The Bible literally says in 1 Kings 11, and we're going to get there in the deep dive Bible study, that his many wives turned his heart away from the Lord. You understand the difference between prescriptive texts and descriptive texts. A prescriptive text is something that the Bible has prescribed for you to do. So love your neighbors, love yourself. That's a universal principle. Old Testament, New Testament applies to everybody. You don't even have to be a Christian to believe that that's good for you to do, right? It's a prescriptive text. But 
Jacob had multiple wives is not now license and instruction for you to have multiple spouses or to redefine marriage. It's descriptive. And if you follow the narrative, you see that it did not work out well for those who ignored scriptural teaching. And this is why we need to ignore quarterbacks. <laughs> when it comes to biblical wisdom, this is why we need pastors. Pastors who are not afraid to speak truth. Pastors who are not afraid to say what is right and what is wrong. And this is also a problem with the death of expertise. The death of people who know what they're talking about. Because again, culture has been co-opted by the extremists, the attention getters, the let me say something outrageous and let me reshape reality by what I think. And the resultant, the result has been that we are in absolute confusion. Which brings me to a conversation that we need to have about the current political discourse of our country. And I'm going to bring this back. Politic. Okay, when we talk about politics on this show, understand that politics is something that too many pastors don't talk enough about. When we think about pastors and politics, we often think, don't tell me who to vote for. And I don't do that. And I don't think pastors should do that. But I, sh I absolutely do think that um, pastors do need to address politics and provide context for what is a biblical worldview that could help shape your vote and shape how you live and shape how you conversate in our cultural moment. But I would like to say this, what we are experiencing right now, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's really nuts. Everything has been hijacked. Education has been hijacked by radical sexual predatory ideologies. Medicine has been hijacked, leveraged to forcibly control the population and serve the government, and if not serve, but rely on the government. Truth tellers have been silenced and parents have been marginalized. But ladies and gentlemen, please do not get alarmed. If you're a Christian, I want you to take a different angle on this whole moment. Consider it a test. You are a test. You are, I'm sorry, you are not a test. You are in a test. And a lot of Christians are failing this test because they are freaking out, number one, or they just don't realize that this is not normal, what we're living through. The world's never been totally normal, but there is a heightened sense of abnormality and confusion right now. And we've got to understand that we're being tested. We're being tested by the powers that be. So education has been hijacked, hijacked by two groups of people, the alphabet gang and the do nothing and know nothing participation trophy winners. Yeah, the participation trophy winners. I bring you news out of the New York Post, uh, NYU, New York University, a prestigious intellectual bastion of scholarly academia. NYU chem professor says he was fired after students complained his class was too hard. By the way, this is a class that trains doctors. <laughs> the doctor's name is Maitland Jones Jr. And he says that despite decades of experience, the 80,000 a year school catered to students who were failing his organic chemistry class and they fired him, uh, according to an interview in the New York Times. 82 of Jones's 350 students signed a petition against him last spring saying Jones had made his class too difficult and was at fault for their failing grades. How do we get here? How do we get here? <laughs> we get here because we handed this generation of kids trophies for stinking at sports. Oh, you stink at soccer. You literally could not kick the ball forward once. Here's a trophy. And now when these students hit the real world and they are examined, that's what exams are, they are examined for their knowledge 
because one day somebody's life will be in their hand in, as they try to eradicate the cancer or treat the heart condition or maybe set the bone. And now they're going to be like, I don't know. I just got this participation trophy from med school and didn't teach me how to set bones. So literally the article says students were misreading exam questions at an astonishing rate. This is Jones talking. He also is the author of a 1,300-page textbook called Organic Chemistry. This is literally the guy who wrote the book on the subject. And uh, says he says, in the last two years, they fell off a cliff. Gee, I wonder why they canned him, because he's actually speaking truth about the ridiculousness of the COVID pandemic lockdowns and shutdowns. He says, we now see single-digit scores and even zeros. They weren't coming to class, that's for sure, because I can count the house. Uh, he defended himself, saying the kids were simply not studying hard enough, they weren't watching videos, and they weren't able to answer the questions. Yeah, consider this news out of the University of Southern Maine. Students demand that a professor be replaced for saying only two sexes exist. This is the alphabet gang's attack on hijacking education. So uh, alphabet gang, if we don't know that term right now, it's the LGBTQIA, LMNOPQRS people. Um, so University of Southern Maine, right? This is an educational system. Someone, some professor here uh, named Christy Hammer allegedly... <laughs> said that only two biological sexes sexes, sexes exist wow <laughs> how, how how dare she how dare she state fact it says students at the university of southern maine are demanding that this professor be replaced for saying that and uh <laughs> on september 7th according to the bangor daily news education professor christy hammer allegedly said again there's only two sexes during a creating a positive learning environment class, which caused an uproar with graduate students. These are, these are people who have been through four years of college and now they're in more college. So just think about that for a second. The report states that a heated discussion began over gender identity and only one student, one student in the class agreed with the professor who said the truth. Most others in the class started, uh, stated that a spectrum exists for gender and biological sex. So education has been hijacked <laughs> and it's been hijacked by people who cannot say no to children, people who have a problem with disciplining and saying that a child might be wrong. I mean, a lot of people are under this misnomer that wisdom rely, lies in the belly of a child. A lot of people think that. This is the Greta Thunberg crowd. I literally saw the Greta Thunberg interview, some old 50-year-old interviewer asking Greta Thunberg, you know, the school skipper who thinks that she's changing things for the environment, um, do you think that nuclear power is okay? Why are we asking her? Who cares what she thinks? Why is a grown woman, and I, I think an educated grown woman, asking a 17, 18-year-old school skipper about whether or not we should have nuclear power plants in a time in which we are desperate for power? Ugh, this, is, this is the crowd of people that believes that children are the future. They listen to far too much what Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston or whoever it was that sang that song. I mean, children are the future, but right now they're the stupid present. Like you got to understand what the Bible says about children. Proverbs 22, 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child and later a graduate student. <laughs> but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. By the way, that graduate student line is not in the text. I just added that for effect. Children are not wise by nature. They need life experience. They need to be humble. They need to learn. And we have endorsed pride and embracing your true inner self and all of these ridiculous mantras that have led us into a complete confusion of what is right and what is wrong. And we have to speak up and we have to fight back. And grown-ups have to start getting attention with truth. And I know it's going to be hard and sometimes embarrassing, 
Which brings me to news out of Iowa, where one brave mom fought back against all of this craziness that is being foisted upon our children. I guess a school in Iowa had a drag event uh, featuring multiple performers that were uh, dancing provocatively before uh, the students of the school. Uh, one of them being a man who dressed as a woman in a leotard. It was basically, a, I guess, a, a thong-type leotard and high black boots and danced provocatively for the students. And this mom said, enough is enough. God bless her for doing so. So this is news out of the Daily Wire. Mom blasts school board over drag show for high schoolers while wearing the same outfit the drag queen wore. <laughs> Okay, this might be an attention-getting move that I actually appreciate here. So, again, the school had featured this drag event, and then it says this, as revealed by a previous report from the Daily Wire, videos captured by Libs of TikTok, the Gay Straight Alliance Club at, uh, what is that, Acne High? Acne High. Imagine if you have acne at Acne High High School. Uh, invited drag queen performers in May for their end-of-year meeting without obtaining permission from administrators. One of the drag queens donned a one-shouldered, black leotard and long black boots before performing a provocative dance for students. So the mom in the story, Kimberly Reichs, founder of a parents' right group in Iowa called Mama Bears, noted during a public comments at a school board meeting that officials have neglected to provide the results of their investigation. Halfway through her remarks, the mother of the seven removed her sweatpants and jacket to reveal the same outfit that the drag queen had been wearing. And she said, does this outfit turn your head? Does this outfit seem uh, um, appropriate for anybody here to see? This is what the man dressed like in front of our kids. So if this makes your head spin, if this pisses you off in any way, shape, or form, it should because I'm embarrassed to stand here in the outfit that I am in today, but I have a point to prove and that, th that this outfit should not ever be accepted in our schools anywhere. And I would like to say hats off to you, Kim. Good for you saying something that will maybe draw attention to the insanity that is being foisted upon our students and our children. Because there is a fight to be had here. And if we say nothing, like I said a couple of weeks ago, only the morons will speak up. Now, just to give you some context, this is a picture of the dance. I don't even want to show you a video of the dance, but this is a picture of the dance from the male drag queen. And there are numerous satanic images of him drinking blood and spitting blood on his Facebook account. So... Is this going to get attention? I hope so. Uh, this is the right way to <laughs> maybe attack this. I, I, you know, as a pastor, I say, man, desperate times calls for desperate measures. But maybe as a pastor, I say more, more so, get your kids out of public schools. Get your kids out of public schools or get them into trade schools where at least they will learn how to do something with their hands. But education has been hijacked. It's a test. It's a test. You are being tested right now. Will you go with the flow? Will you follow culture or will you stand your ground and believe the truth? Another example, corporate America has been hijacked. And this is very, very common. This happens on a regular basis where cultural America decides that they are going to work for one side of the political aisle and demonize all others and silence others and even threaten others with the rights of the economic system in which we live. I bring you news about PayPal over the weekend. PayPal, the company that was uh, founded to make payments through your smartphone and uh, internet device much easier, put out a statement for its users that said it would punish or fine users for spreading misinformation on their social media channels. They were going to fine people as much as $2,500 for spreading misinformation on their social media accounts. So this is like the, the novel um, George Orwell wrote called 1984. This is like 
when people read that fictional novel as an instruction manual. This is what you get. <laughs> so just look at the article too, because I want to point out something here. It says PayPal, the company co-founded by right-wing darling Peter Thiel, who was caught in a firestorm of conservative backlash over the weekend for daring to say it would not allow its service services to be used to promote misinformation. Now the company has walked everything back and further claimed that the policy was one big misunderstanding. Uh, the company retracted the notice over the weekend, said in a statement at Gizmodo, a company... And in a statement to Gizmodo, a company spokesperson said an AUP notice for the U.S. recently went out in error that included incorrect information. PayPal is not finding people for misinformation, and this language is never intended to be inserted in our policy. We're sorry for the confusion it has caused. So this is what always happens. <laughs> they test the waters. They test the water. Can we get away with this? Can we get away with putting this little uh, uh, totalitarian, authoritarian, like 1984 policy in? Like we're going to govern. We're going to be the, the the governors of truth and speech and and conduct in this country, and we're going to find people and literally take money out of their account if they say something that we don't approve of. And then the the backlash app was like, as soon as I saw it and I looked at the news and I saw that it was literally released in their statement and I read it from myself. I drained my entire PayPal account. It's gone. My personal one anyway. It is gone. So good job, PayPal. I'm out of here. I'll, I'll put my money in a mattress before I'll put my money in your hands. But again, this is how corporate America is now. They're hijacked. And then they always come out with a big apology. Oh, it was mistakenly put in. Oh, never intended to be put in. That was mistaken wording. Unfortunate wording. I love that excuse most often. Unfortunate wording made it into our policy. No, no, no. They wanted to do it. They planned it. They loved it. When the public outcry came calling for them, they caved because they realized something. And here's what they realized. They realized that you and I were not ready for it. But this is a test. Someday, I wonder, will we be ready for, th for things like this? This, like the COVID lockdowns and mandates, was a test. The vaccine mandate was a test, testing the waters of our social consciousness. And by the way, in that article, they attacked the co-founder of PayPal, Peter Thiel, as a, quote, right-wing darling. The, the article itself is an attack. Why? Why is he a right-wing darling? Because he, because he committed the social capital crime of supporting Donald Trump. And that will get you... Uh, tied up and burned at the stake today if you're in corporate America. Corporate America, education, hijacked. Another thing that's been hijacked, social media conversation has been hijacked. When we talk about social media, when we talk about Twitter, when we talk about Facebook, when we talk about posting your thoughts and your ideas into the into the internet and, and sharing your life or your findings, your scientific findings, there is suspensions for you if you don't tow the normative line of the narrative. And I bring you news out of Florida where uh, the Florida Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, had a tweet suppressed because he reported his findings, his analysis of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine that he believed the public needed to be aware of. And it showed his, find, his scientific findings showed an increased risk of cardiac-related deaths among men 18 to 39. And he says Florida will not be silent on the truth. Uh, so you have this 84% increase in cardiac related death amongst young men. He does the research himself. He's a board certified doctor. He's the surgeon general of Florida for heaven's sakes. And, and, and he is silent. Twitter says, sorry, that's inappropriate. We are the arbiters of truth and right. And we will remove you from the public square when you dare to offer 
uh, contradictory information that we don't approve of. Oh, I know it's scientific. I know you've done your own studies. I know you're a doctor. I know you have a, a, a med school degree, but we, we Twittered brats. We ran away from home at 16 and joined up with some, you know, uh, com startup when we were 20. We know what the public needs to hear. And so the social media conversation has been hijacked. And this also leads me to this idea. Another thing, the medical establishment has been hijacked. And again, these are all the tests that we're facing. Education, social media, um, uh, government, medical establishment being hijacked. Remember TED Talks? Remember TED Talks? I, I used to love TED Talks. I used to tune in. And then around 2017, shortly after the election of Donald Trump, TED Talk got all political because everything literally exploded the day Donald Trump got elected to president. And I can't even stomach these talks anymore because most of them are so politically bent, it's not even funny. They used to provide real information, insightful knowledge to our screens. Now they promote sex change surgeries for minors. I kid you not. Sex change surgery. Remember how we were told by Boston Children's Hospital, no, 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 it's not happening. It's not happening. We're not going to do that. We're not going to sex change a minor. No, they, they, we will wait. No, no. Now they are doing circular arguments to make sure that minors can indeed receive life-altering uh, sex change surgeries before the age of 18. Literally insanity happening right before our eyes. The University of Nevada hosted TEDx and a speech where a Stanford pediatric doctor makes the case for cutting off the testicles of a minor. How? Watch the video. You won't believe this. As transgender people are more openly being able to seek therapy, the demand for transgender surgery has increased by five folds over the past That's insane five right there. years. And one may think that the preservation of surgery is a valid one, but in reality, it's not very relevant or valid. 18 is the age in which minors are protected from making permanent decisions about their reproductive health because the thought is then at 18, they can decide what they would like to do. However, if as soon as pubertal blockers were added, and then estrogen was added to her therapy, Avery's testes never developed. In fact, she does not make any sperm. And her reproductive capability to be a biological parent has been eliminated. Her testes are non-functional. And in medicine, don't we often recommend the removal of non-functional organs, like an appendix? So therefore, does it make sense for Avery to wait until she's 18, or should older adolescents be allowed to have surgery before the age of 18? 18 is also the age of consent. Doctors usually allow those who are 18 to make decisions about their procedures and consent so that you can weigh the risks and benefits. Well then, the transgender patient may be one of the most well-informed patients. Who else has had years of psychological evaluation, months of medical therapy, and has thought of this one procedure for so long? So rather than to use strict age limits for Here eligibility, why not use the number of years in which one has lived in their affirmed gender? And insurances and laws should consider older adolescents in getting gender affirmation surgery.
Now these surgeries are not simple surgeries. Anyway, that's that's the that's these, the video. Notice the circular reasoning and logic. And it all goes back to the trophy generation, the participation trophy generation. We have to affirm. We have to affirm what the child feels inside. So, who better to express the scientific um, argument for a 12-year-old kid getting his testicles chopped off because he wants to pretend to be a girl for the rest of his life than the kid himself who has felt and lived his authentic self for however many years. What what medically board medical board certified doctor should ever interfere with his felt and perceived self? This is circular logic. This is God handing us over to the lust of our flesh, to the passive wrath of God, and literally the sterilization of an entire generation that has decided that they will not serve and obey and worship the creator, but will rather do those things for the creation. Understand there's two sides to this thing as a Christian. When I see it, I, I get really mad. And at the same time, I say, Maybe this is what God's doing to make sure that these people are limited in their procreative abilities. Honestly, like maybe we need less of these people to procreate and raise their children this way. It is in some sense a passive kind of um, subversive holy war, a.k.a. Joshua, and, and the way that the, the nation of Israel, who were God's people, literally overrule, overran the pagans who were worshiping the trees and humping bushes because that God's people would claim the land and the pagans who refused to worship God and had plenty of time to repent, God said enough. And he cut them off and he did it through war. This little subversive cold cultural cold war, maybe that's the way that God is doing it again. I don't know. I'm just suggesting. Um, by the way, Vermont, the state of Vermont, is considering getting rid of all lower age limits for genital surgeries for people under 18 on the state Medicaid plan. So laws have been hijacked. Governments have been hijacked. The medical establishment has been hijacked. The educational system has been hijacked. I, the government, like, don't get me started on that. The money laundering scheme that is the Ukraine war. Our government has literally sent oh, 60 plus billion dollars to the Ukrainians for this war while Americans take out microloans for food, for groceries because of inflation. And on and on and on it goes. The scriptures have detailed these events before. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 14 says, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth, I love that. Truth has stumbled in the public squares. What a poetic and only the Bible can say things so so well. What a poetic statement to make. This is exactly what we are. Truth has stumbled in the public squares. The food industry has been hijacked, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's a movement to stop eating meat because fake meat made in a lab is better for you. Or maybe it's just better for the climate or both. Or who cares? Do what we say. And at the same time, there's a movement to make you feel fine if you're overweight because there can't be any shame on anyone anymore. I could do article after article, news after news, talking about this stuff. Don't want to upset you. Don't want to upend your faith. But this is where we are. And, and guys, it is a test. It is a test that we've seen before in Holy Scripture. I'm going to get to Daniel chapter 1 in just a moment to close out this show. But one final story to put it all together, and it brings me to I can't believe I'm talking about this, but M&Ms. 
<laughs> Remember M&Ms were just about eating chocolate between meals because you had a little hankering for some sugar? Well, now it seems that M&Ms are a cultural uh, f- uh, philosophizing <laughs> ideology, uh, ideology creating organization. M&Ms, yeah, the candy. So M&Ms has revealed last uh, a couple of weeks ago the new purple candy character, first in the decade, and the new purple character has joined the bag. Purple is the color. The cho- I'm, I'm sorry. Purple is the chocolate candy's first ever female peanut M&M and its newest character for the first time in a decade uh, with the new spokes candy. That's a word they're putting in this article working to, quote, help people feel more, help more people feel they belong. And, quote, Purple made her debut in a new song called I'm Just Gonna Be Me. My goodness, did Lady Gaga write the letters here? Featuring an accompanying music video, I will not play the video on the channel. Purple's musical entrance into the candy world celebrates all voices, encouraging people around the world to embrace their authentic selves. Ugh. <laughs> this is insane. Anyway, the news comes after M&M's revealed a new partnership with Lil Nas X, which features limited edition M&M packaging candies that feature the rapper's face, butterflies, hearts, in light pink, purple, and blue. The pack reads, long live Montero, in reference to Lil Nas' latest album. Okay, so, again, corporate America hijacked and entertainment industry hijacked the health industry hijacked educational industry everything everything hijacked and perhaps perhaps this little purple candy is a harbinger of the philosophy of our age it's actually really appropriate to have a sugary snack be the voice of the quote be true to yourself generation because that's exactly what this really this philosophy really is it's brain candy it's a sugary sweet that feels good going down but will ultimately destroy you. Won't help you, won't heal you, won't nourish you, but it does feel good going down. Be true to yourself. Consider again, I say it again, consider it all a test. It's, it's a test. You are going through a test and this has been done before. God has allowed this for his people before. If you are looking at me and saying, I can't believe all this nonsense. And sometimes I don't want to watch the show because you always just show me all the things that are going crazy in the world. I get it. I see it, but we got to see it because Jesus said, when you see these things happen, when you see... Truth stumbling in the streets. When you see the governments of the world cooperating together to control your life, when you see um, people hating Christianity and sidelining and marginalizing the historic Orthodox Christian faith, know that your redemption draws nigh. Don't shrug your shoulders and hang your head. Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens from whence comes your redemption. Your, your redemption is drawing nigh. But you're, test, you're being tested right now. And, the, and I want to tell you, the test is going to get harder and hotter. The test is going to get harder and hotter. You got to be ready. Pass the test. Brings me to Daniel chapter 1. Remember Daniel chapter 1 opens with these, these refugees from Judah, these young, virile, strong, um, good-looking men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, although those were not their names. Daniel was his name, but there were other names that they had been given as a Hebrew, and then they were given these, these Babylonian names. In fact, Daniel's name is Belshazzar, Belshazzar and uh, he is tested. He is offered the delicacies of the king's table, and Daniel, it says this, he's a Jew. He can't eat pagan food because of the food laws from Leviticus, and so it says in verse 8 of Daniel chapter 1, Daniel resolved, and I love that line, he, does, he resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Uh, this is important for us to understand how Daniel responds here because he says, I am not going to let your philosophy completely eradicate my identity. 
This, this, is, this is good. This is good. This is how you stand up. You have to draw the line in the sand for you. You can't control what the world's going to do, but you can control what you're going to do, and you can control what you're going to react to. Which brings me to one last piece of news. Uh, this out of the University of Massachusetts. I was born and raised in Massachusetts. I got out of Massachusetts, and uh, I'm kind of glad to be out of Massachusetts, but I do love a lot of Massachusetts people, good people in Massachusetts, love the populace. But let's be honest, it's a blue state with a blue state university. And so there was a football game this past week uh, between the University of Massachusetts Minutemen and the Liberty University Flames. Liberty University, founded by Jerry Falwell, who was a cultural lightning rod himself and conservative Christian evangelical leader, leader of the uh, moral majority, very political figure, was hated and castigated by the left-wing parts of our country, the progressive sexual elites, hated him, still hate him to this day. But the game was between UMass in one of the bluest of blue states and, you know, the, 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 the um, ground zero for gay marriage in our country and this very conservative evangelical Christian university. And so UMass decided, let's make the game not about football, but about genitals because everything has to be about genitals. So they decided to have Pride Day on the day that Liberty showed up and they put out this ad. Watch. So it's all about pride. Get your tickets. Attend the game. Because literally everything has to be about genitals now. Literally everything. College football. <laughs> A football game has to be about someone's sexual proclivities. Um, so how did it fare between Liberty and UMass? Well, this happened. Liberty destroyed them. 42 to 24. <laughs> Yes, and uh, I am a proud parent of Liberty University student. Hi, Olivia. And I want to say, well done, Liberty. They didn't worry about the Pride Day. They knew they were being targeted. UMass put out a stupid, frivolous statement saying it was a coincidence. We all know it was not a coincidence. This was a targeted little hostile attack, subtle hostile attack on conservative Christians by a publicly funded university in Massachusetts to say, stick it, Christians, and the Christians stuck it to you in the scoreboard. The thing that actually mattered, who wins the game. Not participation trophies. Pride can be your participation trophy. What matters is that you do well in life. And so while Massachusetts University can celebrate their first ever, I guess, Pride Day in a football stadium, history belongs to the winners. And the one who passes the test of culture win. But you don't win with power and might and mind of your own doing. You win through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And that's what you need more now than ever before. You need to have a Daniel spirit. You need to pass this test. So Daniel goes up to the chief of the eunuchs back in Daniel 1. He asks for grace. He says, give us a 10-day period to eat only vegetables. He put himself in the line. He focused on what was right. And he learned all the things that the Babylonians wanted to teach him. All the astrology and astronomy lessons. He learned it all. He went to school. He went to the University of Babylon, but he stayed strong. He did not let himself be defiled by what they wanted to feed him. You have to do this to yourself. You have to let yourself not be contaminated by the culture, but stand up for what you believe and don't be ashamed of it. And so the result, 
beautiful result in the first chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verse 19. And the king spoke with them and examined them, and he found among them none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. In other words, they passed the test. They knew it was a test, and they passed it. But by the way, they knew it was a test. Like, you, you understand that the tests of your Christianity are not going to come out and say, okay, examine day. That's not going to happen. It's going to happen in the, in the natural course of your life. It's going to happen when you were asked to fudge the numbers in the accounting firm or wear the pride flag on the baseball field or stand for something that you know is wrong in your company. That's when you're going to be tested. And kudos to everyone who came through this COVID-19 test. It was a cultural test test for you. Kudos to those who did not cower, who did not take the job simply because it was high paying or get the medical treatment that you don't think was right for your body because you had a conviction about it. Kudos to you. We need more of you. That's who God looked for in the days of Ezekiel. He said, I sought after a man, this is Ezekiel 22, who would build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, stand in the gap for me, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. We need to be people who stand in the gap. And sometimes standing in the gap means standing apart from the crowd. And that, my friends, is how you pass the test. It's only a test, but it's a test worth taking. It's a test worth passing to the glory of Jesus Christ, our true Savior and Lord. That's the show, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button, the like button. Make sure that you give the beard some love. And make sure that you are here. Check it out, everybody. Are you ready for this? Tomorrow night. It's finally back. I'm so sorry it's been so long. But the deep dive, I will say, is finally back tomorrow night where we will enter into 1 Kings chapter 2. I got some great content ready for that. And I am appreciative of all you guys who support the channel. Make sure you click that support links there. And thanks so much for who you are and what you do for us as we continue to create this content to build your faith in Christ, to help you learn, uh, learn, yeah, listen, learn and discern and be strong as a result. God bless you. Have a great night. See ya.